news, looking on the internet at some news stories. Um, I'm going to get into the study here in just a minute, but just want to kind of bring you up to date on some of the things that, that I noticed. Well, first let me say this. I had an opportunity to go down to um, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Pastor Chuck Smith had invited some of the Southern California pastors to come and hear from some of the Israeli Defense Force uh, people that were actually involved in the flotilla attack. You may remember that flotilla that was trying to break through the Gaza Strip blockade and the, Palest uh, the, the uh, Israeli forces tried to stop them and then they were kind of jumped once they got on board. And it was an incident and it was kind of an international incident and uh, many of the Israeli uh, soldiers were beaten and stabbed, shot at, shot. One was thrown overboard. They actually had to defend themselves, ended up killing nine people on board the fl flotilla. And it, it came out in the press, you may remember, as just a huge incident uh, of uh, you know, looking like Israel were, were just these thugs, you know, uh, jumping on this peace, uh, you know, humanitarian aid flotilla, just a bunch of peace workers, and Israel, you know, boarded them and then just murdered some of these innocent peace workers. That's the way it kind of came out in the press, and it was quite an incident. But uh, fortunately, the Israeli forces actually had some videotape that they were able to show, and that eventually got to the news, and you could see it was quite a different story. That was not a, this was not a, uh, a peaceful group that was on board the ship when they, they boarded there. Anyway, we, we had the opportunity to hear from some of those in the know. Some of these, uh, one of the gentlemen that shared was actually a gentleman that trained these forces that actually went uh, into this, uh, onto the flotilla. They also had some video footage of some other um, operations that they had conducted and just kind of gave us a little behind-the-scenes information about what's going on. And it was very, very interesting. Of course, you can imagine it was, it was a blessing for us to be able to hear from them and, and see you know, some of the things that they're dealing with there to keep their own nation secure. But the thing that stood out you know, above everything else was just the, uh, the contrast between what's really happening. <laughs> and with, I mean, they show the footage and you see the events you know, happening. Some of these, and, and you hear the communication of the soldiers back and forth and what's happening, a real, almost kind of a live-time operation, real-time operation that you get to watch. And then the way it's portrayed in the press, you know, really making Israel look like they're just this, you know, uh, the, the bad guys and, you know, the, the, the troublemakers uh, in the international stage. So we got to see that, and of course it was good for us to, to see and, and watch what was going on. But um, interestingly, this week I noticed that the uh, new prime minister from England was doing some traveling. I think he was in Turkey. I can't remember. I, I meant to get a little more of the details, but you can look it up. These stories were readily available on the Internet. And, and just openly declaring his, you know, his disappointment in Israel for the way they handled this and the way they botched this and just how terrible an incident it was for Israel to have, you know, taken this aggressive, again, just this complete opposite of what really happened. And yet 
here are these world leaders now condemning Israel and just, you know, really kind of lines up with a lot of the things that we see in the scriptures. The Bible talks about Israel. All the nations will ultimately kind of line up against Israel. The book of Ezekiel talks about a certain group of nations that will join together in a confederate and come against Israel. And you can see some of those nations in place. And uh, it was just very, very interesting. The other thing that I saw in the news was now this, and I, I think I mentioned this to you some weeks back, that Israel has discovered one of the largest natural gas reserves in the world just off their coast. And they found out that it's even bigger than they originally thought, giving Israel not only energy independence, but the opportunity to become an energy exporter to the world. And I I mentioned that how that kind of really fits in again with some of the prophecies in the book of Ezekiel, where it says that these nations that are going to come against Israel are going to come after loot. They're going to come for booty. They're going to come for what they perceive to be a treasure. And up until recently, you know, Israel didn't have much treasure to offer. It's kind of a one of those question marks in the in the passage. Well, I don't know what they're coming for. Maybe it'll it'll be revealed someday in the future because Israel didn't have any oil reserves, any real natural resources that that any group of nations would really desire to come after. Well, but now they do, and uh, quite a quite a large uh, treasure of resources. But what I noticed just recently in the news again, now uh, Lebanon is saying that you know. Because it, it's in the Israeli waters, but it, you know, Lebanon borders Israel to the north. And so they're saying, no, no, that's, those, are, those are now our waters. Those are now our, that's now our treasure. And already they're starting to rumble and dispute the claim over what uh, you know, clearly uh, is in you know, Isra- Israeli waters. So just interesting, and I just point that out to you tonight, just to kind of just write in your current headlines, you can find stories that really do um, blend in with what we know God has shown to us through prophecy. We're living in the last days. We are living in exciting times when prophecy is being fulfilled in our midst. And as we look and study, and, and hopefully tonight, Lord willing, uh, finish up in the book of Revelation, it's, um, it's, been a, it's been a great journey through the book. I almost hate to leave it because I'm just afraid some, some more is going to happen and we'll have to come back to it. But um, it just what an exciting time uh, to be on the planet. This is the, this is the season, the, this is the generation that God has placed us in, and we want to be faithful, we want to be watchful, we want to be alert, sober-minded, as the Scriptures encourage us to be. And uh, I just kind of whet your appetite with that a little bit. Uh, and again, you can do some of your own research, and you'll see these things. And then you can open your Bible and look at Ezekiel chapter 36 through 39 and read it and study it and start trying to put the pieces together and ask the Lord to show you things. It's exciting. And then uh, watch the headlines and you'll see these things actually beginning to take place. I'd like to pray tonight before we get started in our study. We're we're, uh, just to bring you up to speed. we're, We're really finishing up in the book of Revelation. We've been looking at all things being made new, Revelation chapter 21. Last week we talked about the new heaven and the new earth. We talked about a whole new reality that God has planned for us, where God will be with men. He'll wipe away every tear. Uh, All things will be made new. And 
then tonight we'll look at and continue on. We'll begin in verse 9. We're going to go into a little deeper look at the new Jerusalem that God has, has planned. But let me pray one more time here and ask God to bless this time in his word. Father, I do thank you again for your word, which is true. And Lord, I pray for everyone here tonight that one thing would be settled in our hearts forever. And that is that the word of God is true. Heaven and earth will pass away, as we, even as we've studied here in the book of Revelation. But your word will endure. And tonight, Lord, we want to look at these, these passages. And even though they are describing things, Lord, uh, in a heavenly realm that really we can only kind of in our mind's eye imagine what they might look like. And the Apostle John gives description, Lord, and, and we just kind of have to, in our own imagination, wonder the, the glory and the spectacle of these things. Lord, even though we cannot see it clearly today, these things are true. These things are coming to pass. Not one part of your word will go unfulfilled. So, Lord, put it into our hearts tonight that we might hide it deep within our heart and give us wisdom, Lord, to be watchful and alert and faithful in these last days. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A new Jerusalem. God has planned a new city. We're going to look at that a little bit tonight. Let me kind of introduce the thought of a new Jerusalem by reminding you some of the passages out of the book of Hebrews. You don't need to turn. I'll just refresh your memory. It was Abraham who originally began to long for a city whose builder and maker was God. And we believe that he saw, at least in his spirit, this new Jerusalem, even though he was a pilgrim in the land, even though God showed him a promised land, it was really the eternal kingdom that Abraham lived by. And that's what caused him to become a hero of faith in that chapter in Hebrews, where chapter 11, which we know is kind of the, the faith heroes chapter. But let me remind you again, chapter, Hebrews 11 Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And as he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham lived as a pilgrim in the earth. Abraham lived in tents and, and temporary dwelling because in his heart he knew that he was living for eternity. We are pilgrims, the Bible says. We are just sojourners here. Don't get too comfortable. Don't get too attached. Don't get too entangled with the things of this world. Yes, we live in this world, and yes, we need resources and things to live and function in this world, and so we should, but remember Abraham. He walked by faith. And this is what God is looking for. God is looking for men and women who will live by faith. By faith in the promises of God. Those things that He has declared. Abraham held these things in his heart, and it gave him that perspective while he lived upon the earth. Hebrews chapter 12:22 But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem 
talking about our, our new faith now in Christ, we are now citizens of this new heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. You are registered in heaven. You are a citizen of this new Jerusalem that John is going to describe for us as best he can, using language limited, no doubt. But let's take a look and begin to see what John describes and remember that this is your hometown that you're, that you're reading about. This is where you are. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're a, one who lives by faith, this is the city that you are waiting for, the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God, starting in verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. He, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth Chrysoprase, the eleventh, I've never even heard of these things, the eleventh Jacinth, and the twelfth Amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like a transparent glass. Wow, what a place. If you can just pronounce the jewels, you're farther ahead of me, but... What a place that it must have been. What a view. Let me just point out a few things about this new Jerusalem, some, uh, taking from some of the verses that we just read. John speaks about this new Jerusalem again as, as the bride or the Lamb's wife. Now, heretofore, Scripture typically refers to the church of Jesus Christ as the bride. But because of this union between Jesus and the city, the new Jerusalem, it is likened to a bride as well. Not to mention that it will be the new home of the church, the bride. 
forever united with the Lamb. And notice that there are the 12 names of, of the 12 tribes of Israel are named on the gates of the city. And the 12 apostles, the apostles of the New Testament church, they are listed on the foundation of the city. So this is a final place where both the church and Israel are coming to dwell. God will bring all of us, all the redeemed will be united in this place. Something about the dimensions. 12,000 furlongs. Apparently it was as wide as it was long and also as high, almost like the shape of a cube. 12,000 furlongs. Now, furlong is an old English word. It means approximately 220 yards. And that's taken, actually, this Greek word that's used here is the Greek word stadion. And it's a certain measure or distance, like a stadium or race course. And so the total approximate size of this new city is it's, it's 1,400 miles square. So 1,400 square miles. Now, the United States, to put it in perspective, is about 3,000 miles across. So that's the whole country. This is a city 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. So this is a big town, big city. So there won't, you're not going to be crowded. I guess I don't want you to think, where am I going to live? Is there going to be any room for me there? You know, uh, not only is it big enough to house us, but it's kind of interesting. And we don't know, you know, I don't know what it'll be like. But I know this, that our resurrected bodies are going to be much improved over these bodies. Amen. So somebody say amen. <laughs> oh, boy, we're ready. Um, and we saw a little glimpse of that, Jesus Christ, when he came back. And we, we, we noticed that he was able to kind of appear and reappear and come through the walls and all of a sudden be in the room. So we know that these new bodies have some, and yet, and yet he, he ate with them, remember? He made fish. And so there's some similarities, but also some, some real differences as well. And uh, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, this, the city is as high as it is wide. It's a cube. I, I wonder if we'll be as limited by gravity in this new Jerusalem as we are today. So, you know, 1,400 square miles is, is big just on the ground. But what if, what, you know, what if you can go put a little pad up in the sky, too, you know? That's my apartment up there, you know, and uh, God, that's, my, that's my other home over there, and, you know, who knows? I'm just, you know, but the point is, the Scripture gives some de- definition here to this, uh, the dimensions of this city, and you can just at least begin to imagine what it might be like, and it's going to be uh, really, really something. The wall is 44 cubits. A cubit is the distance between a, the elbow and a the end of your finger, the middle finger, uh, typically about 18 inches. So this cubit is 72, this 44 cubits would equal 72 yards. There's some difference of opinion here, whether that's the thickness of the wall, 72 yards, or whether that's the height of the wall. We're not sure, but the wall is pretty substantial. And uh, something about the construction, you notice that it's going to be precious stones and metals. And uh, I didn't take the time to kind of Uh, research each and every one of these stones, but enough to to tell you that there are just multiple colors represented in these stones. This is going to be a beautiful place, beautiful colors and really beyond anything that you could even imagine that you might see today. 
and the gates of the gates are going to be giant pearls. You've all heard of the pearly gates, right? We've all, oh, the pearly gates. Well, it's right there in the Bible. It's a real thing. There are gates of pearl. One commentator makes a, a point. I, I thought I'd share it with you. Just a, a little insight maybe as to what the gates of pearl means. You know, that, you know how pearls are formed. Pearls are formed by an irritation in an oyster. Well, obviously, these, um, there aren't any oysters big enough to make these pearls. But the point is that it's through the, the, the oyster actually is injured in some way and begins to try and, and, and smooth out this injury, this, this stone or pebble that gets lodged, and that's how pearls are actually formed. And this commentator points out, is, isn't it interesting that the pearls will, will remind us that the Lord Jesus was wounded for us? And the pearls stand as a reminder, something beautiful that has come out of his injury are the gates that now welcome us into the city. Whether that's the meaning of the pearls or not, it's certainly a nice thought and something worth remembering. Jesus Christ has made it all possible. Streets of gold, like transparent glass. Beautiful. Let's read on. Not only is it a new city, but there is a new glory to this city. There is a new light within the city. Verse 22, but I saw no temple in it, no temple in this city. We'll talk about that in a moment. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There, it, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall be by no means enter in anything that defiles or causes abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There will be no temple in this new city. The old city, the earthly city of Jerusalem, always had a temple to even today they would like to rebuild their temple but the new city will not have a temple because there will no longer be a need to have a place where we go to worship because God will be in the midst of the city and we it will be perpetual worship no longer this need to go and and kind of come to a place to meet with God because God will be all about the place we will be in continual fellowship with the Lord. The temple also was a place where sacrifices were made. No longer will there be a need for sacrifices because God Almighty has solved that through the work of Jesus Christ. His presence will be throughout. We will be in constant fellowship and worship. We will ever be with the Lord. There's no sun or moon and yet no night. The glory of the Lord illuminates And there will be no sin, there will be no evil, there will be no lying, there will be no things that bring the curse. There will be only truth and honor and glory. This is going to be a beautiful city with a beautiful glory and light about it. Also, there will be a new source of life in this city. Take a look here, reading on in chapter 22. Look in verses 1 through 5 with me continuing his description of the city. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, 
clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. A whole new source of eternal life, this this river, this pure water that flows out from the throne of God, flowing out in a constant supply of life and blessing. There is a tree of life there, which which gives forth perpetual nourishment and health through its fruit and leaves. And God and the Lamb, although there is no temple, there is still a throne. And notice, God and the Lamb share it. They shall both be there, Father and Son, both enthroned. And those that are there will be serving Him. What will we be doing? I don't know. I'm not sure what He's got planned. But it says that we will be serving Him. We will see Him face to face. We will reign with Him forever and ever. You can just... Begin to imagine what the creativity of our God. What does He have planned for the rest of eternity? We'll be serving Him. We'll be reigning with Him. We'll see Him regularly, face to face. It's going to be good. <laughs> and He, and you, you know, well, I don't know. Am I going to get bored? That doesn't sound like a very exciting life. Oh, don't, don't worry. <laughs> God is not boring. God is very creative, and God will have wonderful things going on even in the heavenly realm and i'm glad to see here that we'll have opportunity still to serve him to to do for him to bless him in some way well that's the new the new jerusalem the new city a new dwelling place for us and a place of eternity john now wraps up the book of revelation comes in with these final verses almost as a footnote to the entire revelation. I want us to finish tonight. We'll look now at verses 6 through 21. And what I want you to consider here tonight as I read these passages is how are we to respond? And that's really the, the exhortation. Having seen what God has planned and what God has revealed to the Apostle John, now in these last few verses, how, how should we respond to what God has shown us? And I'm talking about everything we've studied for the last number of weeks and months. What should, how should, what should we take away from this? These final verses help us to understand the value and the importance of this. First, that we need to do, we need to hear his word. Look with me, verses 6 through 11. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Now red letters, Jesus speaking. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. John, again, just overwhelmed by the image and just falling to worship this mighty angel. But the angel in verse 9 says, 
said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. There is at the end of this vision and revelation, this kind of exhortation to John saying, these words are true, John. Hear these words. Don't let this vision just kind of... uh, kind of loft around in your mind and wow, wasn't that a neat thing that happened? Understand that these things are true and don't don't hold these things back. Do not keep these things. Share these words because people need to hear these words. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Isaiah 40 and verse 8, the grass grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Church, his word is true. These things are going to come upon the earth. These things are going to come to pass. We also notice that he points out that his return is imminent. I am coming quickly. These are things which must shortly take place. The truth tonight is that he could come at any time. Now, when it says quickly, I believe that it means when he comes, he will come suddenly. And these things that have been shown us will happen quickly. We say quickly. Does that mean he's, you know, like how long it will be before he comes? Or is he saying, no, when I come, I will come in a very quick fashion. These things will happen all of a sudden, like a thief in the night. And we must recognize that there is nothing left that needs to happen for these things to begin to happen. There are prophecies that are yet unfulfilled in the Scripture, but none of those need to be fulfilled before Christ begins to start this last time calendar. And that would begin, we think, with the rapturing of the church. Jesus comes and raptures the church. It could happen tonight. And we need to understand this imminent potential return of Christ is a healthy part of our spiritual life. And, and, and the, the angel says, John, don't seal these words up. He can return at any time. Let this word out. Hear his word. Verse 11, the unjust will remain unjust. The righteous will remain righteous. I, I believe what that, that's referencing is that when these things begin to happen, whatever state you find yourself in, that's the state you're in. Those that are, you know, once God begins to work, you don't want to be caught in a situation where now I need to get my heart right. Oh, oh, I've been living my own, doing my own thing, kind of been living worldly, and now I realize uh, it's time to get my light. No, then it's too late. God God, God would encourage us to live in a sober and alert fashion, that we would be ready for his return. Let me ask you, are you ready Are you ready tonight? Is there any unfinished business? Is there any? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready for Jesus Christ to return? And whatever whatever goes on in your mind, well, I'm almost ready. (laughs) Whatever you're thinking, 
then that's, those are things that you need to be considering tonight. Lord, I want to live in a way in which I am ready. Hear the word of the Lord. Secondly, verses 12 through 17, you've got to heed the word. Don't just hear it. You've got to, you've got to heed it, obey it. Verses 12, 12 through 17, and behold, Jesus speaking, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It's as if this is one last appeal and invitation to heed the word of God. What is, how do we respond to the, to the word? We respond by, by believing on Jesus Christ. That's the invitation. The invitation is to believe on Jesus as Savior. Because he comes quickly, his reward will be with him. He is the final authority He's the Alpha and Omega. There will be no higher court to appeal. When, Jesus is, when you deal with Jesus, you deal with God Almighty. He is the dividing line, church. There will be blessing for those who have obeyed His command, that command to believe on Him. And there will be a casting out of those who have rejected Him. The dogs, sorcerers, immoral, and so forth. Jesus Christ is the dividing line for all mankind and for all eternal destiny. How you respond to the claims of Jesus Christ, how you respond to the Word of God declaring Jesus Christ to your heart will make the difference in your eternal soul. He is that separator and the divider of all but he says to come and i can't help but but feel the spirit even tonight saying come come freely he who thirsts whoever desires come he is the promise of the old notice he says i i am the root of and the offspring of david I am the promised Messiah. I am everything that was promised in the Old Covenant. And I am the bright and morning star. I am the promise of the old and I am the hope of the new. And the Spirit and the bride, they say come. All who hear say come. It reminded me of a passage in Isaiah chapter 55. Listen, verses 1 through 3. Listen, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk, wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied on those things that you are currently investing your time and energy and money and resource? Are you fulfilled? The prophet Isaiah, the the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, why why do you spend on these things that cannot satisfy? Come. Come and receive these things that I have for you without cost. Jesus is... You don't have to earn anything from the Lord. You simply have to come in obedience to your, in your heart and receive Jesus Christ. Come freely. Let's finish up on this chapter. The, the third thing here in my notes is to, that we would hold on to His Word. So we need to hear it. We need to heed it. We need to hold on to it. Verses 18 and 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of, this, of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Do not add or take away from the word of God. Hold on to his word. It is sufficient. Proverbs 30, verse 5, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you, And you be found a liar. Hold on to these words. They are true. Finally, hope in his word. Verse 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. That's Jesus. And look at the Apostle John's response. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. There is this final hope that John has. John wrote this letter when he was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. You can understand why he would say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm ready. I'm ready for you to come tonight. John was not entangled in the things of the world. John was not even in a really a great situation. But the Bible would ask us, though, and I started with this, I'll end with this in this particular passage, these passages tonight. Abraham lived as a pilgrim. Abraham's hope was in the city whose builder and maker was God. Can you say tonight with the Apostle John, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come tonight. Come quickly. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Do you want the Lord to return tonight? Do you, do you have other plans that, Lord, I don't want you to interrupt some of the thing. I'm working on some things and things are just starting to work out for me. And, you know, if you could just let me kind of. Or do you really know that what God has planned is so much better than what we have currently tasted Oh, come, Lord Jesus. My hope is in his word tonight. 
My confidence is that these things are true. I'm going to, I'm going to stake my life on it. I'm going to put my life on this claim. That Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is my Savior and the one in whom I have put my trust for the forgiveness of sins. His kingdom is real and His kingdom is coming. And, there, and He is going to come with reward in His hand. And I want to be found doing His business when He arrives. I'm going to bet my life on it. How about you? I wish, you know, there are days when you can't tell I've bet my life on it. But in my heart, that's where I'm at. That's where I want to be. God, help me to live that way. I will confess, I, I, I get distracted just as you, and I'm not always at, at that, that edge of anticipation, come Lord Jesus. But that's my heart. That's, that's what I am steering my life towards. I don't know anything that would be better tonight that you could invest your life in or that you could put your trust in. I really believe that these words are true and that you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed if you, and and I I say this for us all, let's just go for it. Let's just, as I heard at the pastor's conference this past June, let's just throw caution to the wind and live for God. Let's just live for the Lord. I don't believe that you will be disappointed. In time, you will see. Everything you do for the Lord will be the greatest blessing and fulfillment in your life that your life has ever known. Let's pray tonight. Lord, as we finish up the book of Revelation, what a journey. What an amazing thing that John saw. What amazing things that he heard. What amazing things he has written for us to learn. And tonight, Lord, I'm asking you in my heart and in the heart of all here tonight that you would somehow, through this study, through this looking at eternity, through, these, through this hearing of your words and your, your exhortation to live life ready, behold, I'm coming quickly, that through this, Lord, that, we w- that our hearts would just be uh, a little bit closer to you tonight that our lives would just be made a little bit sharper tonight spiritually, that our perspective would have changed for the better spiritually, that some decisions would be made down in our heart, Lord, and that we would begin to say, you know, it's time. It's time to change some of those things that I've been putting off spiritually. It's time to redirect my resources and efforts Uh, into some of the things that I believe God has been prodding me and prompting me to do. It's time to get things right in my own life. It's time to, to make things right at home. It's time to live for the Lord so that I can say with John, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts tonight with these truths. And Lord, as our heads are bowed tonight and we're closing, I also want to give the opportunity. And Lord, it was right in our text tonight, really, that almost the pleading, Lord, the the word of God saying, come, 
Come, come, all who are thirsty, all who have need, come. Oh, that you would, you would invite hearts tonight, Holy Spirit. That they would hear what the Spirit and what the Bride would say. Come, come to Jesus. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, come to Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've been wayward, come home to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, but I, I'm just not quite ready. I, I, I've got a few things. I, I, I'm close, but no, come. If you're thirsty, you don't need any money. You don't need to go and get yourself put together. You, you, you just come. You come as you are. You come. I want to pray for you tonight. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, you've never embraced Jesus as your Savior. But His voice is speaking to you tonight and you're hearing Him say, Come. I want to pray for you. Or maybe you're here tonight and you've, you've drifted away from the Lord and you need to come back to Him. It may be that you once walked close with Him, but you would say tonight, I am, I am not ready for Him to come. And I want to get back to Him. I want to get my heart right. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you as well. And as we close here tonight, I want to give you that opportunity to respond, not to me, but to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you need to come to Jesus, you need to come and invite the Lord into your life and into your heart. Or if you're here tonight and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, would you raise your hand tonight right where you're seated and we will pray for you. Anyone here tonight? Bless you, two here in the center. Any, any others? Here on the, on the right, God bless you as well, sir. Anyone else here tonight? You need to come to the Lord or you need to rededicate your life to the Lord? Well, I want to pray for these three that have responded. Anyone else just before I pray? God bless you. One more here on my left. Another one here up front. Any others? Hand in the back there as well. And a young person, God bless you as well. Well, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask the church, if you would, to stand with us tonight. If we would all stand. And those that have responded and... There's a number of you. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to come forward and allow us to pray with you here at the front. Those of you that raised your hand, please just work your way forward here so we can pray with you. God bless you.
Amen. I'm going to ask all of our prayer ministers if you would come forward at this time too, just to be ready to pray with these individuals. Now, all of you that have come, I'm going to say a, a short prayer with you tonight, but I want you, if you would, to look to your right. And Juan, would you raise your hand with the Bibles? Brother Juan would like to give you some Bibles tonight. You may have a Bible, but the Bibles that we would like to give you, we call them New Believer Bibles, or they have some special study notes that just help you get started in your walk with the Lord or help you get restarted with your walk with the Lord. So I'd like to pray for all of you tonight, and then I'd like you to go with Brother Juan. He's, he's just going to take you outside and give you these Bibles. And we'll have people to answer any questions or pray with you there if you need any personal prayer. But I thank you so much for responding to the Lord tonight, not to us, but to God. The Bible says that no man can come to the Lord unless the Spirit of the Lord draw him. So you're here tonight because the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And you've responded to him. Is there anybody else that needs to come and join these folks just before we pray? All right, let me pray for those that have come, and then we'll close in a song of worship tonight. Lord, we thank you for, for those that have responded to you tonight. The Bible speaks about angels in heaven rejoicing when sinners come to the Lord. Even when one repents, Lord, tonight must be quite a celebration. There's many here tonight. And Lord, I can't think of a better, a better way to spend a Wednesday night than to come and study your word and come to Jesus. Lord, I pray for those that have come. I pray that they would acknowledge tonight their need for a Savior. Coming to Jesus means this. It means that I recognize that my life is undone, that, that I have sin in my life, that I'm not right with God, that I, I'm honest about my condition, and that I need forgiveness, that I can't earn it, I can't do it on my own, I can't live up to it in my own strength. But I need forgiveness nonetheless. And I believe that Jesus Christ, who died on a cross and shed His blood for me, has provided the forgiveness of sins. He took the payment, the penalty. And His blood, the perfect Lamb of God, God in the flesh, who, the, Jesus who knew no sin, offered Himself for our sins. And so we receive that tonight by faith, Lord. Having this promise, Lord, I pray that you would comfort the hearts of those that have come tonight. Let them know their sins are forgiven. The Bible says your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Not only does he forgive you, he forgets. He's not going to be bringing it up tomorrow. It's over. He's given you a fresh start, a new start. Lord, for this we give you thanks. We worship you and we praise you. We acknowledge our sin. We ask for forgiveness. Cleanse us and renew us, we pray, and fill us with your Spirit, Lord, that this would be the beginning of a new relationship and walk with you. Because, Lord, we want to, be, we want to see this all the way to the new Jerusalem. We want to be a citizen, Lord, of all the eternal things that you have promised. And, Lord, we find it all in Christ, all through faith. Oh, thank you, Lord, we, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.